Hello, my name is Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. You can find more about us in our church at odessafirst.com. Our current series is called Church and Culture. We are focusing on the first few chapters of the book of Daniel. Many are asking, how do I live faithful to the Lord in the midst of a corrupt culture? We can live godly lives with great impact on our culture, and Daniel shows us how. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 1. Um, We are starting a new series today. I'm calling that series Church and Culture. And what we're going to look at for the next few weeks is the life of Daniel in the first few chapters of the book of Daniel. And so I I just really, this is actually something that um, I've wanted to speak on and preach about probably uh, about 2016, 2017. And I don't know, the Lord just really kind of opened that door that now was the time to do this. And I really think it's the right time with what we're going to talk about. And so... Uh, We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, Daniel chapter 1, but let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us pray as we always pray, just your work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, stir in us. Let our hearts be good soil, ready to receive your word. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so we're going to look, you know, Daniel, there's things you're going to hear often throughout the next few weeks. And one is this, is that, and I I just kind of want to set this up a little bit, is that there was no more evil culture than that of Babylon. Babylon was the worst culture that uh, to, to date when you're looking through the Old Testament. And matter of fact, I would even dare to say there hasn't been a culture as bad as Babylon since. I mean, it is hard to fathom, imagine, um, even compared to the Roman world, how that Babylon was really an example of evil. And it made such a mark. We see it throughout the New Testament that Babylon, now Babylon no longer exists. Where Babylon was is modern day Iraq. But uh, we, we, we can't imagine of just the idol worship and just the the idolatry and all that took place in, in Babylon. And we see in Revelation, as we just talked about in some of the, um, the sermon series we just did about the returning king, that a lot of references made back towards Babylon and as an example uh, uh, that, uh, of that of evil. And so the thing that really jumps out to me, and the reason I wanted to really share a sermon series on this is this, is that Daniel, and of course we're talking about some other men as well, but Daniel is uprooted from his culture, transported to another culture, but still lived a godly life. He still lived in faith. He still lived for the Lord. So how did he do that? And matter of fact, he was at a, in a place of, of stature in that evil government, and yet he was still able to live for God. And that should speak to us that, you know what, no matter how evil culture or society is around us, we can still live for the Lord. We can still live for God. And so Daniel, we, this happens about 600 B.C. to like 580 B.C. And, and, and really to make a, a long story short is that um, 
judgments coming in against the people of Israel. And so Babylon has come in and has captured them. They've, uh, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. And they've all been transported into Babylon, into this foreign land. And as we talk about, you're going to, some of those Sunday school stories made that you remember of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and them escaping <coughs> the furnace or the lion's den. Man, when is that stuff going to disappear? The people that listen to podcasts are like, what is going on? And of course, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, there's so, you know, matter of fact, at one point we're going to talk about how Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and brings in his, uh, uh, these men to interpret the dream. The kick is, he's like, okay, you're going to interpret my dream, kind of like, remember, with Joseph. And, but, I'll, but he says, you're going to interpret my dream, but here's the thing, I'm not going to tell you my dream. And so you got to tell me my dream, interpret my dream. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. And we see the moment that God shows up and speaks to Daniel and gives him the revelation. I mean, there's so many neat things to talk about. And yes, Daniel in the lion's den. And Daniel is even listed in the heroes of faith. And that's why I have you turning to Hebrews chapter 11. So I want to, I want to read this passage because it really sets up well of the two different worlds uh, and things that are going on. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 you know, this is the faith chapter, and you read through, you read through all Moses and Abraham and these different uh, people of God that did great things for God. <laughs> and in verse 32 it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Verse 33, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's one of the things that's talking about Daniel there. Verse 34, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead and by resurrection. Someone, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. And that's where the transition happens. And so, you know, we like to talk about those stories of victory and, and, and for good reason. We know that God does those things. God delivers. God heals. God intervenes. God does so much for us, but yet there is even right here a shift that happens when we pick up in Hebrews 36 and it says, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They were about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves and the earth. I mean, that's, that's kind of opposite ends we read about. We read about all these victories and breakthroughs, and then we read about all this persecution and, and people being martyred for the kingdom. And listen, just because we go through difficult times or we go through trials or tribulations or we go through storms, it doesn't mean that we have done something wrong. It doesn't mean that we've messed up somewhere. So many times when a string of bad events happen in our life, we're like, okay, what did I do? Where did I mess up? But that's not always the case. Think about Daniel. Daniel was a godly man and he was uprooted, taken captive prisoner into a foreign land. And we're going to kind of step through some of the things that 
Daniel went through that are mind-boggling. But here's the problem. In our culture, the message of Christianity in our culture today is, if we do the right thing, God won't let anything bad happen to us. That is not true. That, that, that's a falsity, if that's even a word. He'll rescue us from the, 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 he'll rescue us from the furnace and the lion's den just like he did. Daniel, listen to me. I look at seasons in my life where I know that I did everything right, yet it was like everything went wrong. Anybody else in the house? Listen, that, we all go through seasons like that. I'm going to tell you it's, it's about faithfulness. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about being faithful. Being faithful that when all the good and the blessing and, and the outpouring and the mountaintops happen, that we are faithful in that moment. But yet when it seems like the sea is raging and the storm's coming against us, in that moment that we still remain faithful. Do I believe that God saves, heals, blesses, delivers, makes a way where there seems to be no way, gives us life abounding, sets us free, answers prayer, breaks chains? Yes! A resounding yes, absolutely. He, do I believe he gives us, answers prayer big and small and gives us dreams and visions and, and we have those overcoming, conquering moments? Absolutely. But if you've lived life very long, you know, you know as well as I do that so many times in life we've got to face the difficult moment. We've got to face the trial. We've got to face the storm. We've got to contend with our culture. And so I simply want you to look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. And this is where it begins. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And so this is where it all begins. Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonian empire, comes in. They destroy Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. They take the people captive. And in a really, really short context, the people of God just had a bad habit of living unfaithful towards God and His decrees. Very simply put, this very, very short in context, they were unfaithful. You read through Kings and Chronicles and Isaiah and Jeremiah, and we read where God is going to bring judgment to Israel from a foreign nation. Then we pick up in verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Now, if you've if you got your notes there, if you're a Bible writer, underliner, that, you need to underline or make notation or put a star or something or circle, the Lord gave. The Lord gave. So listen to me. Who gave Jehoiakim and the king of Judah into Babylon? And in Nebuchadnezzar's hands. It was the Lord that did it. With some of his vessels of the house of God and brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Not only that, he took the articles from the temple and put it into a temple of a false god. And so these sacred things that the, the Hebrew nation that they use in their sacrificing and worship and filled the temple of God was robbed, stolen, and taken and put into the, the, the um, tabernacle, the place of a, a false god. And that you really need to understand that the Lord gave, the Lord did this. And there was a reason why the Lord did that. But listen to me. This is where I want to relate it into us today. 
And the number one is this. Culture changes, but God doesn't. Just because Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, was delivered into the Babylonians' hands and Nebuchadnezzar's hands, it didn't mean that God has changed. God did not change. We read the scriptures of the New Testament. In, in James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Here's the point I want to focus with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We're before made with this one in Hebrews 13.8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see in the, New Te- the Old Testament that God declares, I am the Lord God and I change not. Listen to me, the same God in Genesis, the same God in Exodus, the same God to Joshua, the same God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God to Joseph was the God of Daniel. And just because that they went through the season of, of, of punishment and being in, a, in, in Babylon, it did not change who God is. And whatever we face in life, it it doesn't change God. Regardless of where our culture may go, it does not change God. Regardless of what the struggle is you're going through in life, it does not change God. God is God. In our lifetime, we've we've seen the shift in culture, haven't we? I mean, we've seen world wars. We've seen terrorist attacks that shifted our culture. We've seen the effects of president's executive orders we've seen supreme court rulings we've seen the direction of pop culture and hollywood today's normal will not be tomorrow's normal but god will still be god god will still be god daniel shows us that we can stand strong in our faith regardless of culture and regardless of who is in control of the culture Number two is this, is that God is in control of who is in control. God is in control. (coughs) Excuse me. God is in control of who is in control. God is sovereign. And it's, it's so difficult to me sometimes to even process or preach on or, or speak about the enormity and really what it means that God is sovereign. God's sovereignty, his sovereign control means that he has a bigger scheme of things and no matter what things are going on, nothing is by accident. His plans will not be thwarted. He is never surprised. He's never taken off guard. He's never in shock. At the end of the day, everything will be found to have worked out together for good for those who love the Lord. Remember, that's our promise in Romans chapter 8. And we have to remember, it doesn't say that everything that ever happens in your life is going to be great and wonderful. But what the promise does say is no matter what does happen in your life, God's going to work it for good. Why? Because God is in control. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Even when it seems like the wicked prevail, God is at work, his kingdom will come, and his will will be done. For Daniel, God's sovereign control over men and over men and nations factored in every equation. No matter what happened, he never forgot that his God was bigger than Babylon. In my mind, God was, is like a, a, a vast, awe-inspiring, powerful ocean unpredictable and capable of allowing bad things to happen to accomplish his purpose 
If you look at the dictionary, you'll find the definition of sovereignty to be something along like supreme power or authority. While finding these, and looking at the biblical definition, most people would say that God is sovereign means that God is God. God will always be God. Nothing will change that. No matter what happens in the Supreme Court, no matter what happens in the United States of America, no matter what happens at your address, God is still God. I love the verses, the promises. One of my favorites is Psalm 115, verse 3. It says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Our God does what he pleases. Jeremiah 32, 17. I just want to focus on that last part. I mean, well, let's just read the whole verse. Verse 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I want to pick up in verse 2 before we move on. And kind of, I want to read this the next couple of verses. Daniel chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shinar in the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Verse 3, then the king commanded Esphenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Verse 4, used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent. <clears throat> oh, wow, man, I didn't know that was in the Bible. That was funny. It's okay. <laughs> to stand in the king's place and teach them, listen, the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Listen, Babylon was known for its demonic influences. It was the, the, the state-sponsored religion for Babylon was satanic. The core curriculum in the schools of higher learning was large doses of, of false idol worship and astrology and the occult. And yet Daniel still submitted to the education. Listen, we say it all the time that we are nothing but aliens here. This is not home, but Daniel used that platform even in the midst of that place of education and still remained faithful to God. In order to prepare for the service for the king, Daniel and his three friends, they, they had this three-year study program of learning language and literature of the Chaldeans, which meant it was designed for them to become enchanters and, and uh, magicians, experts in dark practices and the occults. Listen, our legislature and what we're seeing in our culture, it may be doing some crazy things. And even this week, I see some of the things in the news that have just been shocking to me. But our schools have yet declared that we must teach our children the occult. It's not required learning of the, to be... I mean, think about it. It's not required learning to be a Satanist in our schools. It's not. And Babylon, this is what was going on. I mean, on the worst day, in the worst class, and the worst teacher, I mean, my kids have not been anything exposed. It may seem like it, but nothing as godless as what Babylon was. I mean, none of my kids have had to get, are going to have to get a degree in the, the occult to get a job. And there comes the decision. When you're in, in the middle of a godless culture, 
what are you going to do? How are you going to live life? I mean, in, in Joshua 24, 14, it tells us, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers where the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to what? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. It is a choice. And it is a choice every single day. I know I've talked many times, you know, I, I, I've joked, I've done it so many times. I've talked about in the small town I grew up in and that small church I was that, you know, one year we had 52 salvations and and I was every one of them because it happened every week. And many of us have lived a spiritual life that way. But eventually, it caught. Eventually, I understood that I had to make a choice. Do you hear me this morning? We tell students at youth camp so many times, you know, we, we, people go through this roller coaster. Well, you know what? You have to make the decision before you face anything else that no matter what, you're going to serve God. And I hate to reduce it to something that's so simple, and I know it's not just super easy, but that's the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and being with like-minded believers and, and coming together, not forsake the assembling, and there's so many things that help out that, but listen, I, you've got to decide that no matter what, you're going to serve God. I, I had to make a choice in my life. The Holy Spirit was drawing me, working in me, and I made a choice. The reason why so many find it difficult to live for God is that they never decide to live for God. We have that moment, that, that emotional or spiritual moment, and we feel the renewal, we feel the washing, we feel restored, but we really don't make that commitment and say, okay, God, No matter what my workplace is like, no matter what my family's like, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. There's going to be no other God in my life besides you. And Daniel, he made that. And I still have to make that choice every day. When I wake up every morning, it's, 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 it, I have to recommit and say, okay, God, today's yours. I belong to you. I want to pick up in verse 5. It says that the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the kings ate. We're going to go this a little more deeper later on. But I, I really want to point out something here in, in, in verse 6. But I, I want to read... Verses 5, 6, and 7. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate, of wine, of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. Remember, we just talked about that. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them these names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Here's number four, is that our culture, culture wants to rename you. Culture, this culture that we live in right now wants to give you your identity. My name 
is uh, Todd Michael Starnes. I wish I had a cool thing that I was named after, but my mom had two doctors, and um, when she had me, one was Dr. Todd and one was Dr. Michael, so that's where I got my name, her two doctors, Todd Michael. And so to this day, my, I mean, every time my mom calls, I feel like I'm in trouble. Todd Michael! Every time she calls, I'm like, yes, mom. And I, all of our kids have meanings their names, and I've, I've shared this before, but you know, when we were going to the hospital to have Shaylee, we were kind of really thinking about Shaylee and that her name was going to be Mackenzie. And um, after we had Shaylee, we're like, no, Mackenzie, this doesn't work. Besides, we were, and the reason where we came up with Mackenzie, because that was the lady's name on Jag. But anyway, we liked Jag back then. But so we decided against Mackenzie and named her Shaylee Brienne. And I remember when I told my dad, um, you know, Shaylee was born and her name was Shaylee Brienne. And so dad called, you know, the whole family all excited and says, they named her Shaylee Brainy. He had misunderstood what I said on the phone because he still won't get a hearing aid. But anyway, Shaylee Brainy. And so, you know, he's like, what kind of name is Shaylee Brainy? It's like, well, it, I mean, it's kind of fitting now. But anyway, but Shaylee Brienne, Shaylee Axel comes from my middle name, Michael, but it means messenger of God. And then we had Chase. And so with Chase, we, the, the scripture that leapt out to us was Psalm 63.8. And it says, I press hard after thee, O God. And so we named Chase Chase. And then we had our surprise, Kaylee. Kaylee Annalise. Chase actually chased Michael. But, and then we had Kaylee. Kaylee Annalise together means one who works for the king. And Daniel and the, the, their Hebrew names, they had specific meanings. And I want to look at that really quick, but listen to me. Culture wants to name you. Maybe slow, maybe stupid, maybe dumb, maybe worthless, maybe addict, maybe too old, maybe too young, maybe not talented, maybe too damaged. Satan wants to cause you to believe a false identity. Satan wants you to believe a false identity. Now think about this. Daniel, looking straight from the scripture, should be there in your notes. Daniel, he called uh, Belteshazzar. Um, Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. And so this chief eunuch renames, da renames Daniel to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protects his life. So think about that. I mean, he's going to the, from a godly culture, at least in his own life, to an ungodly culture. And he's being named, his name changed from that of God to that of a false god. Think about that for a moment. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach means I am fearful of God. Think about that. I mean, this is what's happening in their life. And I think it's so much significant to us because, you know what, if there's something that the enemy wants is wants us to put something in the place of God. The enemy wants us to see God and to be afraid of God. Mishael, he called Meshach. Mishael means who is like God. To, Mish, to, uh, to Meshach, which means I am despised and humiliated. What an identity. Azariah, he called Abednego. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. And Abednego means a servant of Nebo. Now think about this. What 
who Nebo was in a Babylon culture was a false god of wisdom. So they're, they're changing his name from Yahweh has helped to a false god who has wisdom. The only one that can name you is the one that created you. Don't let anybody else name you. Don't let anybody else tag a name tag on you except for the one that created you. The only one that can give you your identity is the one that forms you. Do you hear me this morning? I was thinking, I don't know why it came into my mind, but it did sometimes. Some of the old songs we used to sing pop in my head when I'm kind of writing this out. And when I thought about that, the only one that can give you your identity is the one that forms you. And I thought about this old hymn, I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. But it goes into this chorus. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. There's a new name written down, and it's mine. You see, culture says you're unlovable, but God says that you are forever loved. Culture says that you are scarred, but God says that you're healed. The culture says that you're weak, but God says he makes the weak strong. Culture says that you are abandoned, left alone, but God says that you've been adopted. Culture says that you are broken, but God says he can make you whole. Culture says that you're rejected, but God says that you're his. Culture says that you're hopeless, but God says my hope will not be disappointed. Culture says that you have failed, but God says you have been victorious. Culture says you need to be worried and fearful and, and, and downtrodden, but God says you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's who you are. That is the one that has made you, and when you know that, you can stand up in any culture. You can stand up towards any obstacle. Culture says you're nothing special. But God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, that's, that, those two verses, two, two verses that are, I know I say this often, but there's so many scriptures that I love, and two of them are Psalm 139.14, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, when's a, I mean, so many times, I, I don't mean to really get off track here, but how many times do we look in the mirror and we see everything that we think's wrong. How many times do we look in the mirror and we see everything that's wrong? But God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I wonder if we begin to look in the mirror and say, God, I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Instead of speaking those curses over our life. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows everywhere. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Some translations say we are his masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say you're a masterpiece. That should go far if your spouse is next to you, maybe, you know, so, anyway. And so here we have Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are transported from their culture into a evil culture and what we're going to learn through this series is they are confronted many times to bow down to the culture that they're held captive in but time after time that they stand their ground and the way i kind of want to wrap this up is 
is in Daniel chapter 1, just the first few verses of chapter 8. And it says this, but Daniel resolved. Everybody say resolved. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. And I think that's what it came down to when it came about with the king's food, when it came to bowing down to a false idol, when it came down to having to learn this, 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 in this educational system, Daniel had resolved before any of it happened that he would not defile himself, that he would not bow to the culture that he was in, but stand for the God that created him. I want to ask you to stand this morning, if you would. Thank you once again for joining us for our podcast. If you want more information about us, just find us on the web at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us, and I pray that the Lord richly bless you.